Well, we are in the book of Ephesians. If you're new and you're kind of just joining us, and even if you're kind of just checking out things online, I know a lot of times before people come here, they visit online. Uh, we have been going through the book of Ephesians about halfway through, and we're talking about the fact that God wants to build. He wants to uh, grow in our life. And there's areas in all of our lives that we want to build better. There's areas in all of our lives that we would say it's here now and I want, I want to see it be at a different place, at a different level. That might be in your work, it might be in your marriage, it might be in your family, it might be financially, it might be just kind of emotionally with stress and things that you're dealing with, it might be with relationships and drama that are in relationships, it might be areas in your character that you know need to improve and grow, but all of us have places in our life that we want to see be built up into something different and better. In this series, what we really have been talking about is that each of us is building a life. Each of us is building a life. We don't always think about it like that, but each of us is moving and building towards something, towards somewhere. The little bit that you do today leads you to the place that you will be five years from now and 10 years from now and 20 years from now. When you look back at your life and say, how, how did I get here? It's the little things that we do today that lead us to where we will be, to who we will be, to what difference or lack of a difference we will make. We are all building in our life. And we can do that thoughtless, just kind of, I don't know what's happening, and it just kind of ends up where it ends up. We can do that wrong, building something even intentionally, but not what God would have us build. We can build something in our life, and yet it be weak, it not be what God intends for it to be. We can have the wrong vision of what we should be aiming at. And I don't know how you feel as you are building a life. If you feel like it's intentional, it's what God's vision is, it's what he has for me, it's a strong and durable life and marriage and family. And I don't know how you feel about it, but this series is saying that God wants to help you build your life, that you can build better and you can build towards what he has. Now, I don't know if you are a good drawer or designer, maybe you are, but imagine kind of setting out to design a home, and you said, I want to build a home. I want to design something, and you were to just kind of draw what you wanted your home to look like. This is on my whiteboard at home. <clears throat> I don't know why some of you are laughing. I'm very offended. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm not a good drawer, so I don't know. You know, that's, that's what it looks like. And if I were to sit down and say, okay, I'm kind of designing my, my home, I'm designing, here's what it might look like, it, it's okay, it's not great, it might, you know, someone might be able to tip it over, it's not beautiful, but if someone was a master and were to sit down and design something, if maybe some of you are architects and you were to actually draw to scale and build something that looked beautiful and was durable and functional and, and didn't look ugly, this is what it might look like. And as we're building a life, sometimes we have this version of it. Sometimes we have our picture of what we think it should look like and what we want to design it as, and, and it's not going to be what God could make it. God's vision is better for your life than what our vision is. God's wisdom is better for what your life can look like. It's wiser than what we create. God's knowledge and ability to actually build something is better than what we can do. And God wants to build your life into something strong, 
God wants to build your life into something beautiful, into something durable. That is what God wants to do. That's what this whole series is exploring, is that God has a vision, an intention, the ability, the wisdom to build your life into a masterpiece. That is what God wants to do. And I want to just show you before we jump into the sermon today, I want to, sh- well, we are, we are in the sermon today, but before we jump into the text for today, I want to show you just kind of throughout the book of Ephesians where this idea comes from, that God wants to build your life into something. And there's a lot of language in the book of Ephesians that uses this build. Sometimes it uses it in, the, in maturing, or sometimes it uses it in fullness, but even that picture is you, we have this and God wants to make it more. Sometimes it's in strengthening, but let me just kind of give you some of the passages we've already looked at, some we haven't, but I just want to show this to you really quick. And, and if you look at this, this is almost the very beginning of Ephesians. It talks about that God is the one who fills all things in every way, that he wants to fill things. That's similar to building language, that we might start half full or empty, or, and God wants to make it more robust. He wants to fill your life with everything that he wants to do. It talks about being the church and, and God's members being built on the foundation. It talks about that the whole building is being put together and growing and that you are being built together by God into something. It talks about this language of being rooted, which is kind of agricultural language, but then firmly established, which is building language, that Paul is praying that we would be firmly established. That's building language. And then, then again, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. We wouldn't stay where we are, but we would experience fullness. It talks later about God filling all things and to build up the body of Christ. It talks about the growth of the body for building itself up in love. It talks about the way that we use language, that it should be used to build one another up. Again, that we are here, but that different things can happen in our life that lead us to something better, something more. And then just one final one, at the very end of the book, it talks about finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength that we might be at this place, but God wants to strengthen us, wants to lead us beyond where we are. So that's what this series is aiming at. That's what this book is aiming at. It presents God's vision to do that in your life. It presents God's wisdom and his ability and his desire to do this in your life. So I I want you just to hear me on this. God has a full life for you, for you, not just in general, not just to the people in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, but God has a full life for you. God wants to build your life into something. He has a vision and an intention for your life to be built over and over and over again. That's really what this book presents to us and what we have been focusing on. God has a full life for you. All that he has designed for you to be, all that he wants you to know of who he is and what you can experience, that's what God wants to do in your life. That's where he wants to take you. That's what he wants to help you grow in and see. And how do we experience that? If that's true, if God wants to build you into not the whiteboard drawing, but something better, the architectural masterpiece, if if God wants to do that in your life, how does that happen? And there's a lot of different ways. We've been looking at all sorts of kind of different angles of that. Today, we'll look at another piece of that, that, that Paul says God wants to build in your life, and here's 
how that happens. So we'll explore this today. And I'll go back a little bit from what we looked at last week just to kind of have some of the context in there. But here's, here's what he says. And he himself, God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. These are kind of the teachers, Bible teachers of the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So let's start with this question. Where is he taking us? Where is God taking us? Where is it that he wants to lead you? What is it, what is it that he is doing? And start with this. Where are you at right now? When you think about your life, where are you at in your faith? Where are you at when it comes to your relationships? Where are you at when it comes to your emotions? Where are you at when it comes to suffering in your life and dealing and handling that with God? Where are you at when it comes to sin in your life? Do you feel like you are stale, just kind of stuck? Maybe you don't feel like you're going down or maybe you don't feel like you're going up, but you're just kind of stale, maybe stuck. Do you feel like you're actively growing and moving forward and today is better than it was yesterday or last week is better than it was the previous week and this year is better? Do you feel like, man, I'm growing in all those areas? Do you feel like maybe you're going backwards? You go, man, I thought that things were going well, but things, I don't know, something has happened. Where do you feel like you are? Wherever you feel like you are, this, again, is the reality. God wants to give you growth. God wants to give you growth. And a lot of times that word growth can be kind of uh, thought negatively of in church. And there's obviously a positive standpoint of it that you might hear the word growth and think very positively of it. But there's another side of it that sometimes it gets a bad rap or a bad reputation that, oh, growth is legalistic and we shouldn't, just, we shouldn't think about doing things and moving forward and progressing. It's just kind of all God and we don't need to think about that. Sometimes we think about it as that's just kind of for super Christians. I'm just kind of a normal Christian. I'm happy to be a normal Christian. I don't necessarily want to think about growth. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got a simple faith and that's good enough for me. Sometimes maybe we hear that word and we think maybe it is positive, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want what it comes with. It feels like it might take away some of my freedom or some of the things that I want to do. And it might kind of take away the life that I want. To grow means I have to leave behind certain things. And I don't know if I want to think about growing. I kind of like where I am. Maybe that's not for me. But Paul in this passage gives us kind of three different ways that should help us think about the beauty of growth. He talks about being built. We obviously opened up with this, but he talks about being built up or build the body, building itself up. If you think about building, a lot of times we can think about kind of construction imagery and structures that you are building something from this, from brick to building, right? 
And how, how awesome is it on opening day of something when they kind of break ground? A lot of times they'll have a ceremony, kind of a ribbon cutting or a, a shovel. You know, I, this, I think this is like a, I just Googled this. I think it's a, a building thing, not like a collective burial or a mafia. You know, these are all mafia members hiding bodies in the desert. I think this is like the beginning of building something, right? And it's this exciting kind of, okay, we are breaking ground and we're going to build something. But if you came back five years from now and it still was just this, no one would be impressed by that. No one would think that it had reached its intention of what it was designed to be. You would just see dirt. You would see maybe some ribbons floating around on the ground or, or even if they had made some progress, but there was just a foundation. Some of you uh, are, do home projects and things like that. And you build something and it might start with some scaffolding. It might start with laying some concrete, and, and there's kind of a little bit of a foundation there. But if that's all it stays as, that's never the intention of what it's designed to be. It never actually experiences the building that it's designed to be. If you're building a house, it's designed to be lived in and to have hospitality and to have meals and to raise a family and to enjoy things and to have holidays and memories that are formed, not to just be a foundation. You go, yeah, it's, it's kind of a house, if you're building a, a, a building that's um, you know, some structure for offices, that's designed to be commerce, it's designed for business, not just to have a foundation that's laying there. And what God wants to do is to take you from the beginning, the foundation, into your full use of everything he's designed for your life to be. God has a full use for your life. And he doesn't just want it to be the breaking ground ceremony. Say, so, yeah, you know, something got started. He wants you to be built up, to be fully, the full intent of what your life is. Everything that it's designed to be, that's what God wants for you. Or think about another image that, that he uses. He talks about maturity, growing in, this is kind of more uh, adult and child language, that we grow into maturity and we're no longer little children. That's what God desires for you. He desires for you Yes, we start as a little baby, but God wants to take you into full maturity, not to stay as a child. Babies are cute, right? Babies are cute. Nobody looks at a baby and is like, gross, right? I mean, if you do, there's something sick about you, but, we, but babies are cute, and it's great to start as a baby. Spiritually, we all start as babies, but nobody would think that this is cute, right? I hope. Nobody thinks that this is cute. We go, that's, something is wrong with that. To stay as a baby, I'll take that away just so you don't freak out. But to stay as a baby isn't God's intention for you, right? When you look at a baby, there's a lot of things that babies do that if adults did, we would go, that's really not okay. It's funny because with a baby, the good things that babies do, we like, but also kind of the bad things that babies do, they're still kind of cute. Like when a baby poops themselves in, in, in public and you hear like, you're like, oh, that's so cute. But if an adult did that, no one would be like, oh, that's my friend. Yeah, he's pretty funny. No one would do that. I think it's funny sometimes when you guys come in and you've got your little kids and I'll say hi to them. And sometimes they kind of bury themselves in their mom or their dad. But if you came in with your spouse and you just, I was like, hey, how's it going? And you just kind of buried yourself in your wife. I wouldn't be like, oh, that's cute. They're shy. I'd be like, something is wrong, you know? <laughs> Am I that scary, you know? Like there's things that, that kids do, that babies do that are cute, but Paul is saying, God wants you to experience more than that. 
Like, it's cute to be a baby, but God wants maturity for you. He wants to grow you up into what he's calling you to be. He wants you to experience, and, and listen, for those of you that are parents, that's what you want for your kids too, right? Like, you enjoy having a baby, but you don't want, and I know sometimes we're like, oh, I want them to stay little forever, but you want them to experience all that adulthood has. You want them to experience what it means to find God's calling in their life. You want them to grow into what their gifts and their skills are. You want them to get married and start a family. You want them to get a driver's license, not in that order, but you want them to be able to experience kind of all the maturing of what it means to actually be an adult. That's what you want for them. And Paul says that God wants you to mature, not to have the two-year-old version of faith, not to have the two-year-old version of your marriage, not to have the two-year-old version of relating in the church, not to have the two-year-old version of unity, not to have the two-year-old version of what it looks like to walk in obedience with God. He doesn't want you to stay in those places. Now listen, sometimes we say language like this, like, hey, I'm not perfect, nobody's perfect, and that's fine. That's a good place. A lot of times I'll say it like this. That's a good place to admit to, but not a good place to commit to. Meaning it's great to know that you've got weaknesses. It's great to know that you've got struggles. It's great to know that there's areas in your life that need to progress. But sometimes how we say that is just like, this is where I'm staying. I know that this is a problem. I know that this is an area for growth. I know this is a struggle. And you know, that's just kind of how it is. But he is saying, no, God wants to mature you. He wants to grow you because he wants you to experience full adulthood spiritually and how that relates to all the different things. What is the mature version of your family? What's the mature version of your marriage? What's the mature version of your relating to God? You living in action in the things that God's called you to. What's the mature version and what's the still kind of spitting up on yourself version? God wants to mature us into what he has for us. And then kind of the third image that he gives us of where God is taking us is <clears throat> until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's son measured by Christ's fullness or later growing into him who is the head, Christ. This is more about him saying we can know God more. And we can be more like Jesus. We can grow into being more like him and into knowing him more. That's what he wants for you. Do you know God? Do you have a relationship with God? Are there certain things about God that you trust in your life? Maybe when you're going through difficulty or suffering, you know God is present with me. God is my comfort. God is my rock. God is my refuge. God's working things for my good. Is there things in your sin that you know about God, that God's gracious, God forgives me, God is sanctifying me, he's working on me, God is better than these things? Like There's things that you know about God, and there's ways that you are like Jesus, that you, have, that you display some of who Jesus is in your life. There's ways that that's true. But wouldn't it be better to have that more? Wouldn't it be, I mean, wouldn't it be better if you were more like Jesus? I know the people next to you think so. Wouldn't it be better if you were more like Jesus? I want to be more like Jesus. Wouldn't it be better that whatever knowledge you have of God right now, you knew more? Not just more facts, but you knew it. The things that you're struggling with, the things that you're sinning in, the things that you're hoping for, that the truth that you know about God went deeper into your heart. Paul says that's what growth is. 
He wants you to know him more and to be more like him and to enjoy more of what life is like with him. That's, that's what he desires for you to have. So here's what all of this means. And this maybe sometimes is controversial to say, but there are different levels of experience in Christianity. There are different levels of experience in the faith. There's different levels, even we could use this language, there's different levels of attainment in the faith. There are different levels to be had. If there is building, if there is maturing, if there is fullness and growing up into Christ and knowledge, that means that some of us are here. And some of us are here. And some of us are here. And some of us are here. That, that's what that means. And that means that there is more that we can have. So since God is an infinite God and God is perfect and Jesus is perfect, it's not like someone can say, yeah, I'm, almost, I'm 99%. There. I mean, it's, there's so much. So wherever you are and however long you've been a Christian and however long you've known God and however much you have matured, there's always an infinite amount more that you can be. There is more that you can experience. But there are different levels of experience in the faith. Everybody is saved if you're a Christian, but that's like saying everybody is born, and that's the language the Bible often uses, right? That we are born again. Everybody is born, but not everybody is 12, and not everybody is 20, and not everybody is 30. Everybody is a human. Everybody has life, physically speaking, but not everybody is the same age or the same maturity or can do the same things. The same thing is true in the faith. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying that there are different levels of joy that you could have. There's different levels of faith in the middle of hurt that you can have. There's different levels of confidence in God and growth in your issues and your problems. There's, there's different levels of fruitfulness in engagement in the works that God has for you. There's different levels that faith can bring into the quality of your relationships. There are different levels that can be experienced. And what God wants is to grow you. God wants to give you more than what you have right now. He wants whatever level you're at, whatever age you're at, whatever progress in the building process you're in, God wants to give you more. That's where he wants to take you. He wants to mature you. He wants to grow you. He wants to help you know him more. He wants to move you further. And not just in some ways. I love that he says, let us grow in every way. That means comprehensively, in all of your life, God wants to let you experience growth and building and maturity. That's what God wants to do. That is where he is taking you. He is, listen, some of you just maybe need to know this, that God isn't done with you. He's not done with you. And maybe you need to hear that in two ways. Maybe you need to hear that if you kind of feel like you've arrived, God would say, I'm not done. There's more I want to do. And maybe you need to hear that if you kind of feel like, I don't know, I guess this is it. I don't know if anything else can happen. I don't know if I can move any further. I'm just stuck. And Paul would help us see, no, God is not done with you. There is more that he wants to give. There's more that he wants to help you to experience. So I don't know where you maybe feel stuck. You feel like maybe life is hard or you're stuck in your marriage, you're stuck in your family, you're stuck just kind of emotionally, maybe there's a, a coldness with God or in faith, or you're stuck in various sins that you want to move out of, or 
stuck in pain and don't know how to move beyond. God says he wants to take you further. And nothing has to defeat you. Nothing has to keep you stuck. God wants to move you along. And because that's what God's vision is, and because that's what God's intention is, and because we're talking about God's wisdom and God's power, that means change is possible. It means that God wants to take you somewhere. And because God wants to take you somewhere, you can't actually get there because he's the one leading you and taking you. That's the first thing that we need to see. The second is what will keep us then? And again, as we've explored this book and as we will continue to explore, there's a lot of things that can keep us from what God wants to do in our life. So this isn't the only thing, but it's one of the things that Paul gives to us to help us see as we begin to see this vision of God wants to take me. He can take me. There is more that's available to me, but what will keep me? Because this is a good vision. It's a beautiful vision, but none of us will just drift towards experiencing all that God wants to do in your life. If you think about your life and the areas that you want to grow, you will not drift to that. You won't just wake up and be like, I'm, I'm there. Paul actually says that we live tossed around by the waves, blown around by every wind, which means this, we're living in a condition where there's constant storm and there's constant waves, ocean happening. That's the condition that we live in. We live where there's a constant kind of tumultuous storms and things that are seeking to push us away from Jesus, from what he's called us to. That's, that's the environment that we live in, in harsh conditions, right? That's presenting harsh conditions. That's what we live in. You don't live in a world that just naturally pushes you towards Jesus, right? We live in conditions, both because of the sinfulness of the world and the suffering in the world. We live in conditions that are difficult, that are hard. If you think about the the, uh, parable that Jesus tells about the two people that build their house, one of them builds the house on the rock, one of them builds their house on the sand, and storms come to both of them, right? One of their houses gets destroyed. One of their houses lasts because it's built on the rock, built on listening to God's word and obeying him. But think about that image that Jesus gives. Storms come to both. Waves crash upon both. Sin and suffering in our world, influences, come to both. That is the conditions that we live in. You don't live in an environment that just, if you're passive, just naturally takes you further towards Jesus. We live in waves and storms, high wind conditions. That's what we live in. Everything around you is seeking to pull you off course from Jesus. That's the conditions that we live in. That's the life that we have. And he specifically says that the thing that that happens is we're tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching that comes by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit which means there's a lot of teaching that comes to you to pull you away from Jesus. There's a lot of teaching that sounds really good. I I talk to my kids about this a lot, that that Satan never kind of comes to us and says, hello, I'm Satan, follow me. Like No one be like, okay, that sounds fun. The Bible talks about Satan as an angel of light. The Bible talks about Satan as cunning, 
and clever. And he's got strategies and techniques. See, what will take you off course or what the danger is, is we live in harsh conditions and there is constant teaching that sounds good, that sounds helpful, that's very clever, that's strategic, that will pull you away from Jesus, that will pull you away from the maturing that he actually wants to give to you, from the building that he actually wants to give to you, from the growth that he actually wants to do in your life. And you go, well, where does that come from? It doesn't come from, again, just like opening up the book of Satan. Go, yeah, well, I'm not even going to touch that. It comes all the time. Comes from friends. Comes from people in our lives that speak certain things about life, that speak certain things about our human nature, that speak certain things about God, that speak certain things about how we relate to God and what it means to obey and say, "Ah, did God really say this? Or, well, I believe in a God like this, or I think this is what God wants, or I think this is what will make me happy. It comes in things that sound good. It comes through media. It comes through news and books and movies and stories. It comes through everything around us all the time seeking to teach us with things that sound good and with tactics and strategies that are wise in their ability to get inside of us. Oftentimes, we believe things, that, even as Christians, that are not from the Bible. We have soaked them up from different forms and from different avenues. He says that we all live in these conditions. Can't escape it. We all live around the blowing. We all live around the waves. And you can't escape that. So therefore, you have to be stronger when it's happening. You have to be stronger when it's coming. That If you don't grow, he says that he wants us to no longer be little children. That way, we're not tossed around and blown around. You need to be stronger so that when the wind blows you're able to stand. You need to be stronger so that when the waves come, you don't drift. I don't know if you ever saw this video. It came out a while ago, but I think it shows well just kind of the the idea of if you're not strong enough that the winds can blow you. Let me just show you this really quick. It's no sound. Just look at this kid. It's windy if you cannot see. Oh, don't be so sympathetic. (laughs) You can see the tree blowing, how windy it is out there. I love that that kid doesn't give up. That's what I love. He just keeps going. And like comes back in like 30 minutes later and his mom's like, I thought I told you to take out the trash. And he's like, you don't even know, you know. Check YouTube, mom, you know. But that, I, I think that's a, he, he's a kid, right? Hopefully if there was like a big burly adult out there, that wouldn't have happened. Sometimes winds can obviously be very strong. But if you are a little child, you are easily blown around. That's what Paul is saying. If you're a little child, you are easily tossed around. And Paul is saying, 
That's, you're going to live in the wind. You're going to live in the waves. You can't escape that. You can't just be in some make-believe world where everything is awesome and nothing pulls you away from Jesus and nothing is difficult and you don't ever hear any teaching. That you, that's not going to happen. You're going to live in the wind. You're going to live in the storm. You're going to live in the sea. That's where you will live. That's how we live out our life. But you can be a child that gets blown around or you can grow and be strengthened and be an adult so that you aren't tossed around. If you think about that language of being tossed around or blown around, when you're tossed around, that maybe sometimes this happens when you are hurt by life. Suffering comes. And instead of allowing that to strengthen you and actually mature you, which is part of God's design, sometimes it just tosses us. It tosses us away from our faith and we kind of give in, we give up. We actually grow worse instead of growing up. It knocks us down. Jesus talks about this in the parables of the seed and talks about sometimes the, the cares of life choke out the seed that God has planted. But they, what he wants for us is when the tossing happens, that it, it doesn't weaken us, but it actually deepens our faith. Or you think about being blown around by the winds of teaching. This has this idea that you hear something and go, well, maybe I think of this now. And you hear something else. Well, maybe I think this now. You hear this thing and, and you're never able to be settled. You're ne never able to be rooted in what God's truth is. Instead, you hear certain ideas and you hear certain beliefs and you're on social media and you see this person say something, you see this person say something, you see this article and you see this new story and you see this new book and, and you're over here one time, you're over here one time and you're not actually staying settled in what God's word is and what God's truth is. We're blown around. Blown around can have the idea too that as teaching comes in, we just soak it in. There's no filter. We're, we're, we're just like a sponge instead of a filter. That teaching comes and we go, that sounds good. Okay, I believe that. Or this, this people said this. Yeah, that sounds good. Instead of, uh, maybe a part of that's good, but I need to filter out things. We just kind of go with wherever the teaching leads us, with whatever the friend says, with whatever the media says, we're just led along because we're not planted. We are moved wherever they want to lead us, which is why we have to be planted in what God's word says, which is why we have to grow and not stay as children. So all of this means that if we are blown around, tossed around, we will miss what God wants to do in your life. Remember, God wants to take, God wants to build you. God wants to mature you. God wants you to experience fullness. But if we're constantly blown around and tossed around, you won't actually experience what God wants to do in your life. This will keep you from the fullness that he has for you. He wants to strengthen you. That's what he wants. So that in the middle, you're able to actually grow. In the middle, you're actually able to make a difference instead of be a part of the, the swaying that happens. He wants your feet to be able to be planted. He wants to help you build roots. He wants to mature you and grow you. But this can keep you away from that. 
if you're not settled in his word. And so the final part that I want to look at is just what is it that we need? God wants to take you to maturity, to building you up, to more fully experiencing him. The danger is we live in storms and winds and there's kind of constant teaching that can move us around if we're not settled. So what do we need in order then to grow? And not just what do we need in order to grow, but also how do we participate with God to help others grow? What do we need? And oftentimes, we ignore the proactivity that is needed for growth. We ignore the proactivity and oftentimes think just time will make us grow. That time will just kind of make all things better. That wherever your marriage is now, just wait five years, it'll be better. Wherever your faith is now, just wait five years, it'll be better. Wherever your kind of sin struggle is now, just wait five years, it'll be better. No. It takes intentionality. It takes progress. You can be a Christian for 30 years and look back and go, I really, I'm kind of the same. Or I have 30 years of doing it wrong. I have 30 years of ignoring God, rejecting God. I have 30 years of not building into my marriage the way I should have. I have 30 years of, and that oftentimes happens. The, the good news is God can redeem it wherever, whatever point you are. You can say, I've wasted these years. And then God restores in multiplying ways the moment that we turn to him. So what is it that we need? It isn't just time, and it's not even just ourself saying, I'm going to read the Bible more, or pray more, or, or uh, you know, just kind of listen to more podcasts. All those things can be helpful, but it isn't just that. Paul says that what we need actually is other people speaking the truth in love to us. And that what we need to do is speak the truth in love to the people around us. This is where he says, for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. God wants to build up his church into greater maturity, into greater health. That's what God wants to do. And that happens as we resist the false teaching that is around us and instead speak the truth in love to one another. And then when we are doing that, the proper working of each individual part, when collectively we do that, we are properly working and experience the growth that he has for us, experience the maturity that he has for us, moving beyond in every area in our life. So what do we need? We need to speak the truth in love to one another. That is how we get to where God is taking us. And there's other ways that we get to where God is taking us. Like I said at the beginning of the sermon, that there's other things, but this is one of the particular strategies that Paul gives us in this passage. So how do we speak the truth in love? I want to give you three things. The first is that we ourselves first have to know the truth. This goes back to the beginning of the passage where he says that the intention of giving these teachers in the church is that they equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So if you want to be someone that is building up others, first you have to be equipped and built up to be able to do that. You can't do that. You can't speak truth and love if you don't know truth. You can't give truth to others to help them grow into who God is calling them to be if you don't know truth and you aren't equipped to be able to do it. And so the question for you is if you want to participate in helping others grow into the destination that God has for them, are you being equipped yourself? Are you receiving truth 
before you give it. And there's all sorts of ways that we as a church seek to help you in that. This Sunday is a part of that, which is why it's so important to be here regularly. Listen, it, this is for your growth, but it's not only for your growth. You, or another way to say that is your growth is not only for you. Because your growth is intended to be for others. As you grow and become who God is calling you to be, and as you receive truth, and as you know who, more who God is, and as you see more what God is doing in the world and what he's doing in your life, you then have the ability to share that with others. But if you aren't receiving, it's not just that you're not growing, it's actually that you're selfish and keeping the people around you from growing in the way that God wants to grow them. So there's a lot of different ways. This Sunday is one of them. We offer different classes. Dion mentioned a class coming up on reading the Bible. We, we offer newsletters and podcasts and different ways to try to give you truth to help you receive and grow. So are you growing and receiving and being equipped in the ways that God wants to equip you, not just for your personal development, but also because he wants to grow you into a person that helps others grow. That's what this passage tells us. That's the first thing. The second thing is that we have to do it in love, speaking the truth in love. And that's such an important qualifier, an important help to see us, to help us see even just what this whole thing is about. Because oftentimes we don't speak to one another. Oftentimes we don't speak to one another and we even do so thinking in some ways that it's loving. Like I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to say anything that maybe would hurt our relationship. And we kind of frame it in a way that is loving. But really, love is not silent. Love is not silent. If we see hurt in someone's life, if we see someone being blown around like a child, if we see someone not knowing the truth, it isn't loving to let them, it's not, if you're, if you're an adult standing there watching that kid be blown around, it's not loving to go, this is going to be a great video. Who filmed the video? I think it was like security, you know, camera footage, but it's not loving to just watch someone be being blown around and go, well, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to step on their toes. I don't want to, that, that's not loving. Oftentimes, what we think is love is actually fear or love for ourselves, love for our image, love for our comfort, love for what people think about us. But real love sees what's happening in people's lives and cares enough to be engaged. Real love sees what's happening in people's lives and isn't passive. Real love moves into action when it sees things. That's what real love, real love is never passive, right? Real love can never just stand by and let people be blown around or let people not mature or let people not experience the building that God wants to do in their life. Real love is not lazy. Real love sees what's going on in people's lives and moves into action. Sometimes we don't have love because we actually want people to change or we want people to know truth, but the reason is not what God's reasons are. Our motives are not what God's motives are. We might want people to know more truth or, more, or grow into more Christ-likeness, but the reason we want that is because 
their sin is annoying us. Like if you would just stop being so, if you would be more like Jesus, my life would be easier. So I'm going to speak the truth in, but it's not love. Our motive is self-love. Our motive is for us, not for them. And that ultimately affects kind of our posture and our heart and, and how we engage with another person. That if our motives are not what God's motives are, but they're our kingdom building or our own comfort or our own ease, that comes out. Or sometimes our, we lack love because we may actually have the right motives, we may actually move into action, but the way we do it is not loving. We may have God's motives. We really want someone to grow and experience what God has for them. We may not be passive and actually step in, but the way we do it is with anger, with harshness. It's not with God's methods. We may have God's motives, but not God's methods. So to speak the truth in love, that idea of love helps correct all of these things. Love means we want what God wants and we engage the way God engages. That's what love is. I want what God wants for this person. I want what he wants, and I'm going to therefore approach them with his heart and in his way. That's what love is. So do you see people in your life where you have that love, that heart? If not, we should ask God, God, give me your love, a love that isn't passive, a love that isn't fearful, a love that wants what you want for them, and a love that engages with them the way you engage with them. So first, or second rather, first is to be equipped, second is to have love, and then the third is to speak the truth. So we speak the truth in love, and to speak the truth means we actually need to communicate. We don't just feel love. We don't just say, I really love them, I hope the best for them. We don't just pray for them, though we should. Sometimes people even say something like, all I can do is pray for them. Well, that's true. You can pray for them. You should pray for them. But that doesn't mean that that's all you can do, depending on who that person is and what relation God has put you in with that person. And we are called to speak the truth in love, called to have God's love, but also to speak the truth, which means that we give the truth of who Jesus is to people. Sometimes when Christians think about this phrase, speaking the truth in love, we think mainly of correcting people in their sin. So somebody's engaged in some kind of sin, and, and we think, I need to correct them, and I need to do it in a loving way. And that's partially true as far as what this is talking about, but that's not the main idea even in what this is talking about. So th there is truth of that we should engage in that way, but, but this is actually talking about the various teachings and things that blow us away and that we need to be able to speak the truth that helps us to be grounded in who Jesus is, that helps us to mature, that helps us to be built up, not these other things that are false, that are out there, that are clever, that are, tech, that are strategic, that sound good. But we need to speak the truth of who Jesus is and what the faith is that grounds us and grows us. And so to speak the truth in love can have all sorts of different applications. But when you look at people in your life, Maybe there are people that are in sin because they have believed certain things. They've believed certain things that have said, this is good, and this is right, and this is fine, and this is what God has for you, and this whatever. And it's not a big deal, and, and we're actually called to help speak the truth of who Jesus is and what it means to walk worthy of his calling, what that looks like. 
not to let people alone believing things that are false. Sometimes it's people that are suffering. And in their hardship and in their difficulty, they've forgotten who God is. They've forgotten that God's in control, and so they're super anxious. They've forgotten that God is good, and so everything looks bad. They've forgotten that we can actually be, Paul says, we can be content in every single circumstance because Christ strengthens us wherever we are. And they've forgotten that and think that their circumstances determine their level of joy and contentment. And we can speak the truth, reminding people who God is in their circumstances and what they're facing. We can remind people that we have a good God. We have a God that's in control. We have a God that's for us. We have a God that redeems things, a God that works for things. We have a God that is sanctifying. We have a God that, we have a God that is powerful enough for whatever circumstances we're in. We can remind people the truth so they're not blown around. Sometimes it's as people are actually experiencing good things in their life, we actually need to still be able to speak the truth to them and show them because sometimes we miss it. We help people see, do you see that God's working here in your life? Do you see what God's doing in your life here? And help people see the good that God's doing. Because that actually, sometimes we're blind to it, but it helps us when someone else points it out to speak the truth of the good God that's working in our life. So to speak the truth in love has all of these components. It means we have to be equipped receiving truth so we can give it. It also means that we have to love people, not be passive, not be self-loving and concerned about ourself or doing it for, with our motives or our methods. And it means that we speak the truth, helping people see who Jesus is, who God is, grounding them, growing them. This is how we grow into what God is calling us. This is what we do. The proper working of each individual part doing this grows the body up, builds the body up in love. The proper working of each individual part. That's so important because it is not just what I am doing right now. I am speaking truth in love, but what I'm also doing is seeking to equip you to speak the truth in love so that the body builds itself up by the proper working of each individual part. Because it's one thing for one person to speak to a group of people, but it's a better thing for a group of people to speak to one another. That's actually what the proper working of each individual part means. That we grow as we are experiencing this daily with the people that you are in their lives. I'm not saying, and you might be best friends with the people over here, but I'm not saying that this person goes, yeah, I'm going to go just go say something to that person over there. It's not that. It's the people that God has put around you, the people whose lives that you are in, community groups and LTGs and the people whose lives you're in, to be able to say, I want to build you up. God has a destination for you. I want to help you get there. God wants to mature you. God wants to grow you. God has more for you. God has different levels of faith that you can experience. And and I'm going to help you get there. And will you help me get there? God puts us in relationships for that to be able to happen. And if that's not happening, then the relationships you're in are too shallow. If it's not happening, then it means that maybe the people around you are too afraid. And we stay stuck. But if you're surrounded with speaking the truth in love, and if you do your part to speak the truth in love, then God begins to mature and grow all of us. 
I don't know what kind of home you grew up in, but you can at least imagine that if you grow up in an abusive home where it's just negative, just kind of, a lot of times physical and verbal go together, but let's just say it's a verbally abusive home, that every single day is shaped by language that's putting down and harmful and shameful and hurting. If that's the language that you're shaped in every day, imagine what happens to you. I talk to people all the time that maybe some people have lived in that great of intensity, but sometimes people live in something that, oh, my dad always said this, or my dad never said this. And every day living in that environment shapes you, changes you, right? But imagine the opposite of that. That's what Paul is saying. Imagine being in an environment, not just on Sundays, but a daily environment where the constancy is speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. That shapes you, matures you, grows you. That's what God desires for us as a church. That's what he wants us to experience. That's what he wants you to be engaged in with others. He wants you to receive and then be engaged in giving this to others. So God has a vision for your life. God wants to build you. He wants to take you further than where you are, whatever area that is, your suffering, your sin, your relationships, your engagement with him, your activity in the world. He wants to take you further than where you are. God has that for you. If this is true, and it is, that's what God has for you. That's what he desires for us as a church. He has saved you if you're a Christian, and he wants you now to fully experience that, to step into all that can be, to live in that. We're going to take communion in just a moment. If you're a Christian, if you didn't grab a little cup on the way in, make sure to grab one of those. But communion is a time that Christians remember what Jesus did to save us, what Jesus did to break the ground, what Jesus did to give us birth, to have us be born again. We remember that his body was broken and his blood was shed. Our sins were forgiven. He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his life. He adopts us into his family. He gives us new birth. That's the beginning. And it also helps us to see if he would do that, I'm I'm sure he's not done. I'm sure he has so much more for me to experience. His love didn't just stop at the cross. That, That is where it began. He died for you. He saved you. And he wants you to fully experience that salvation all that he has designed for you. So as you take communion, remember what he's done for you. Remember the good God that you have and and remember his intention for you must be good. And confess if there's areas where you feel like you've resisted growth or where you have not participated in his growth plan for others that you have just received, but he wants you to actually be properly working to build others up. Confess, and God will forgive you, cleanse you of your sin, and lead you into obedience and what he has for you. So as you take communion, pray about some of those things and imagine what it could look like to be together committed to this, not staying where we are, growing and experiencing all that he has. This is his heart for us, and this is his call for us. Let's pray. If anyone would like prayer, I'll be in the back, and would love to pray for you about this, or healing, or anything in your life. Father, I thank you that 
your vision for us is good, so much better than just the, the whiteboard drawing that we often have for our life. Your, your vision, your wisdom, your ability to build our life is good and beautiful and strong. Help us to receive your vision, to want your vision, and to step into that, and to participate with you in it. I pray that you would just deepen our conviction even as we take communion and respond in song. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.